I'm Danny DiCrescenzo, joined by Eleni Shermer. She organizes with the Debt Collective and is a writer and postdoctoral fellow at Concordia University's Social Justice Center in Montreal. Her latest piece in The New Yorker is headlined, How the Government Canceled Betty Ann's Debts, which explores the U.S. Department of Education's loan-canceling authority. Today we're talking about the status of President Joe Biden's proposed plan to cancel up to $20,000 in student debt since the United States Supreme Court took on two cases looking to gut it. Eleni, thanks for joining the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you as well. And there's been a lot of discussion about the fact that Biden's announcement of his plan came without an application at the ready and that Biden didn't go the route that some groups were pushing him to take, which was an automatic universal cancellation of debts across the board. Can you elaborate on the consequences of that and how that may have led to the Supreme Court getting two cases looking to gut the plan? Sure. Well, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's significant because it's a matter of strategy. Uh, I, I probably, if the president had canceled the debt, um, more quickly, if, for example, the applications, if he had either decided not to have an application and just automatically cancel debt, or if he had decided to, um, you know, cancel the debt and then announce that he had done it, basically, uh, if, if he had moved more swiftly one way or another, um, there probably still would have been legal challenges. I think those legal challenges would have been on very different footing. I think it would have been much harder to try to reimpose debts that had been canceled by the president than to try to stop the program from occurring uh, to begin with. So I don't think it's necessarily like it would have been a total magic bullet legally sort of Im immune to any legal challenges. But I do think it would have been a stronger program. And people, I mean, right now, I think what, what we have to contend with is what is the president going to do to all these millions of people who he's promised whose debt he's promised to cancel um, and having, you know, canceling that debt swiftly would have have um, put those borrowers. I think they they would have felt less like they've been dangled into the shark's mouth right now, but that the president had actually acted to protect them. I definitely see the political aspect in that Biden essentially made a promise and now he can't make good on that promise until the Supreme Court decides if he can. But what are the arguments in the cases before the Supreme Court? And why was there so much reporting immediately after oral arguments that the justices were skeptical about the plan? Well, you know, the 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 oral there were two cases that were being brought to the Supreme Court. One was brought by six re Republican attorney generals who were claiming more or less that that entities in their states were going to lose money, um, uh, th that make money off of student loans. If student loans were to be canceled, that they would lose money. And the real, like the key player in that suit was the state of Missouri, who is bringing forth the suit saying that the loan servicer, Mohila, which is based from Missouri, um, would lose money if, if student loans were to be canceled. Um, and if Mohila loses money was the the claim that the, the state of Missouri was trying to make is that it would it would potentially um, harm the state of Missouri. So that was one of the cases. The other case, which has like mostly been I, I, I think it's unlikely that the Supreme Court, it, it's, it's a legally more flimsy case. But that case was brought by two students who claimed that either their debts were not eligible for relief because they were privately held instead of pri federally held 
or that they um, because they were not they were eligible for only ten thousand dollars of cancellation instead of twenty thousand dollars of cancellation. So these people were arguing that because they didn't get enough relief, the whole program should be nixed. Um, and you know what? At, during the hearing on Tuesday, there were sort of two questions. The, the first question that the Supreme Court has to answer is: Do these plaintiffs actually have standing to bring a lawsuit? Are they actually? the right parties to sue? Are they suing the right entity? And is their remedy that they're suggesting, which in this case is blocking cancellation wholesale, um, actually fit the the harm that they say that they're being caused? Um, so so they're the 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 Department of the Supreme Court, excuse me, was hearing that. That was one of the major questions that they were trying to think through. And the other the other sort of big issue on the table is you know, okay, so if these plaintiffs do have standing, and that's a huge if, um, then does the president actually have the power to cancel debt? And a lot of, you know, when the reporting that came out before the hearing had even finished, which was just wild to kind of be sitting, listening to oral arguments and get a notification on my phone saying that the <laughs> the New York Times was telling me that the justices were deeply skeptical, which was not at all how I would have characterized. Um, those those would not have been the words that I would have used to describe the, the conversations that I had heard. Um, but but they, I think, you know, they were commenting on that. I think that, you know, the conservative that some of the conservative justices are skeptical about the merits of the case, whether or not the president has the power to cancel debt. Um, there was more, you know, the standing is still a big issue. And and some of the justices, Amy, Co the conservative justices didn't seem convinced that these plaintiffs even have standing to begin with. So if if the program, you know, I think that's like really the big question is, is the Supreme Court going to decide that these plaintiffs have the right to sue? If they do decide that they have the right to sue, then the program will probably be killed. If they don't decide they have the right to sue, then the program has, you know, a little bit more time, like it, it's not dead in the water. Um, oh, the other thing that I'll say about that, too, is that the skepticism, which was mostly about the merits, was 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 if you listen to the oral arguments, a lot of it, the conservative justices were really quibbling over word choice, not about the spirit of the law. You know, Justice Roberts was sort of they were there was sort of some scrutiny about does the the law that President Biden used to cancel debt was a law called the Heroes Authority. And this is a law that was passed in 2003 by President Bush in attempt to kind of give some relief for veterans that were returning from Iraq um, to manage their student loans. And it, and it, and it, and it gave the, the president the ability to, quote, waive or modify student loans. Um, and it was the authority, this sort of, it, so it's, it's, you know, in emergency situations, can the president act to, to, to cancel or waive or modify student debt? This is the same law that President Trump used to put the loans on pause in March 2020 when the national emergency of the COVID pandemic began. It's the law that Biden used to continue that payment pause. And now it's the same law that Biden is using to try to cancel the loans altogether. And what we what um, <laughs> Chief Justice Roberts and, and the, some of the conservatives were sort of having this very myopic discussion about the sort of does waive or modify mean cancel. And they were really kind of like drilling down into the sort of the singular dimension of this, these one or two words and overlooking, I think the, the, the solicitor general, the, the legal defense on behalf of 
of the Biden administration and some of the liberal justices were saying, yeah, but look at what the intent of the law is. Like this law was passed to help to to be able to help people in times of national emergency. That's clearly what's happening right now. And the conservative justices were getting kind of sort of uh, perhaps missing the forest for the trees. If you're just tuning into the morning wake up call, I'm Danny DiCrescenzo, joined by Eleni Shermer. And we're talking about the Supreme Court taking on two cases looking to strike down Joe Biden's plan to cancel up to $20,000 in student loan debt. And I want to talk about John Roberts. He was uh, famously at the center stage of these oral arguments. Institutionalists wants to emphasize the power of the court, really hammered home the idea of this was a big question the court had to answer. And he gave this argument where essentially if two people graduate high school, one of them starts a lawn service, the other one goes to college. If Biden's plan went through, the lawn service guy would pay his tax dollars to fund the fact that the college graduate isn't paying their loans. The whole point of that was to illustrate this idea of unfairness. How is the idea of fairness factoring into this case on both sides? Well, I I found this to be a sort of a funny, peculiar, frustrating moment of the hearing. Um, The question of fairness is an interesting one. And, And like you said, Justice Roberts was using this like, you know, uh, two people graduate from high school. One person takes out a loan to go to college. Another person takes out a loan to start a small business. Whose debt should we cancel 20 years later? Um, and, you know, you know, stepping back, <laughs> I'm not sure why we need to pit these one after the other. If people are having a hard time and they're carrying old debts that are making it hard for them to advance in there with their, you know, taking with retiring, with buying homes, with starting families, then maybe we should broaden the the debt cancellation policy for small business owners. I'm not opposed to that at all. Uh, I think, you know, this was, it's been very and crucially reported the, the fact that there has been a lot of loan cancellation for small and large and corporate business entities. Um, in fact, much more so than for, for folks that have decided to go to college. And then, you know, the other point is just the, 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 the decision to go to college versus to start a small business one you know the the whole spirit of the small business ethos is that you're taking this risk and sometimes the risks don't pan out so i'm not you know a, a kind of a hardline capitalist might say so then you you know you're out the money if your your entrepreneurial spirit didn't flourish like you're out the money um and i don't think we have that same you know that's a very different ethos than towards public education which is this idea that you should it's not it's not it's not supposed to be an entrepreneurial risk to go to college. It's a chance to um, get formal training in a career, a chance to learn more about history and art and ideas, a chance to um, get a credential that in a lot of cases is is pretty fundamental to having any kind of access to jobs that provide health insurance or <laughs> pensions. I mean, um, so I think that's an important point to keep in mind is that just the the way that our economy is structured is that a lot of social benefits are eligible to people that ha- to come through jobs, um, things like health insurance or pensions, and that those jobs that provide those kinds of social benefits typically require a college degree. So when we talk about a college degree, it's not just it's there's a whole set of social welfare policy that rests on the access to a college degree. Before I let you go, I want to pivot to your piece in The New Yorker because it's a fascinating look at how student debt impacts older Americans. What's behind this growing demographic of 60-plus-year-old borrowers? How do student loans affect them? 
Well, I mean, I think, you know, these are people that are really suffering from the the weight of the student debt crisis and really are unsung in in the the policy considerations for solving it. There's a number of uh, of types of, of low, you know, there's different ways that older people have contracted their student debt. And a lot of times they've, they've taken it out on their own. They carry it from their own undergraduate. They've decided later in life, this was after 2008 sort of economic crash. A lot of people returned to school to re-career and they had, they took on debt at that moment and other people are carrying debt on behalf of children or grandchildren. So there's a lot of different kinds of ways that older folks are, are walking into their student loans. But there's a the a lot of these loans are not the, the older loans are, have been boxed out of a lot of the president's reliefs. Parent plus loans are not eligible. Those are the loans that, that parents take out on behalf of kids are not eligible for the same kind of um, relief programs like income-driven repayment that um that the the president is saying is using to cancel relief. So these people have you know, in a lot of cases, lower declining incomes, um, higher debt burdens, and fewer options for relief. So it, it's 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 really a crisis, and and you know, it's also a crisis because it, it. I think it just is a testimony to the fact that this, you know, people don't. It's not just inevitable that these loans just go away on their own. When people are carrying loans for 20, 30, 40 years, that's a that's a that's a problem. That's not how it's supposed to work. And it's, you know, the the sense that you borrow some money and then eventually will be able to pay it back. If you're carrying loans, if your only plan to get rid of your loan is to to take it with you in the coffin, that's not a that's not a policy program that that's that's working as it should. It's perfectly legal and perfectly normal for the Department of Education to cancel debt. This is actually how creating a debt works is that if you've created a debt, you also have the power to collect it or to cancel it. If, if you loan someone a cigarette, you don't have to ask them for a cigarette bet, back, and you definitely don't have to ask them back with interest. Uh, you can just decide to, to write it off, if you will. And this is the same situation, basically, that we're seeing with this, this student loan program, is that these are the, the, the Congress, the, const- the U.S. Constitution gives Congress the power to dispose of U.S. property, that's just basic written into the Constitution. There's a bunch of other laws that basically grant different agencies, including a specific leg- legislation that grants the Department of Education uh, the power to to issue debt and then also to cancel it. Um, so I think that's just an important thing to keep in mind and what the Supreme Court, you know, in theory, the Supreme Court should have been hearing, is it it was given my sense that, that it's quite legal and in some ways quite normal for the department to cancel debt, um, that the Supreme Court's job would be to uphold that law, not to kind of create a new set of laws that that, that deny that ability. Once again, that was Eleni Shermer, who organizes with the Debt Collective and is a writer and postdoctoral fellow at Concordia University's Social Justice Center in Montreal. We just wrapped up discussing the aftermath of the Supreme Court hearing two cases associated with President Joe Biden's plan to alleviate $20,000 of student loan debt from certain borrowers. Eleni, thanks again for hopping on. Thank you. Take care.